Hi, and welcome to Jewish Time, a podcast brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times. Keeping Jewish Atlanta connected, where our mission is to bring you a timely and interesting conversation with people who connect Jewish Atlanta locally, nationally, and around the world. Hello, welcome to Jewish Time. I am Jeff Silberblatt. Uh, As season two continues, our guest today is Dr. Guy Laurie. He's a research fellow of the Democratic Values and Institutions Program of the Israeli Democracy Institute, known as the IDI. Now, Guy, as we're going to call him throughout this conversation, is an attorney He holds a Ph.D. in history from Georgetown University. He's a former coordinator of the Shamgar Commission of the Formulation of Rules of Ethics for Members of the Government, and he served as a postdoctoral fellow on the Faculty of Law at the University of Haifa. Welcome, Guy. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well. I appreciate you taking time to talk with us today. I I do want to talk a little bit about the IDI. It is the Israeli Democracy Institute. It's an independent center of research and action dedicated to strengthening the foundations of Israeli democracy. And the IDI works to bolster the values and institutions of Israel as a Jewish and democratic state. It's a nonpartisan think-and-do tank, and the Institute harness rigorous applied research to educate decision-makers and help shape policy. And so, Guy, tell me a little bit about your duties with the IDI. Well, Jeff, I've been uh, researching at the IDI for a few years now, and I've been mostly... uh, worked on uh, issues regarding the judiciary and its uh, relations with the elected branches of government. And so issues regarding the judicial independence, uh, oversight on uh, the judiciary, and also issues regarding the attorney general uh, in Israel and uh, prosecution. And so I'm going to take a second now, and I'm going to let our audience know that if they're wondering what this conversation has to do with a local Atlanta connection, I'm going to remind everybody, if they research the IDI, then you will see a very familiar name on the board of directors, and that is Atlanta's Bernie Marcus. He's co-founder of the Home Depot. And he serves as the international chair of the Institute. And so, Guy, when the board of directors convene, tell me about the items that they speak of and maybe what their overall uh, duty is. Well, I, I won't talk about uh, their you know, specific uh, meetings, but I think in overall for the past three decades, one of the main concerns at IDI was the lack of, of a constitution. So one of the key projects that uh, IDI promoted under uh, the supervision and uh, direction of the board of directors was trying to formulate a draft constitution that could be uh, accepted as a constitution by consensus. And uh, headed that project was former president of the Supreme Court of Israel, Meir Shamgar. 
and uh, it consisted of, first of all, the research uh, fellows of IDI and also a public council uh, of uh, various figures in uh, Israel. And it tried to, to create a constitution that would be both uh, Jewish and democratic and would entrench the principles of Israel democracy for the ages. That has not been successful, but has, the IDI had tried to create such a consensus and to present this uh, draft constitution to politicians, even though it has not uh, succeeded to do that uh, uh, once it pre- uh, finished the project about uh, 10 or 15 years ago. How much influence does the IDI have within the state of Israel? Well, I think uh, the IDI as maybe the oldest think tank in Israel and certainly one of the uh, most, I think, leading uh, think tanks to this day, has a lot of influence. I think it has influence both uh, in terms of uh, influencing uh, professionals within uh, government and uh, parliamentary apparatuses, and and also on uh, elected officials. And the influence it has is because it conducts rigorous research and tries to translate academic knowledge and uh, and data into policy and to try to bridge the gap that often uh, exists between academic knowledge and political enterprises. We have seen recent protests uh, and riots throughout the, the state of Israel. Uh, we have covered those, uh, that news in the Atlanta Jewish Times. And, and I'm wondering whether those riots and protests are because of some of the judicial overhaul that the IDI has, has issued some thoughts on. Yes, I think it's definitely about uh, the judicial overhaul, and it was certainly instigated by the uh, promotion of the judicial overhaul, but there are also wider issues that influenced that instigated the heated nature of these protests. And I think definitely a perception that this judicial overhaul, and not only for its content, but for its way of promotion was uh, not only extreme, but also one-sided. And also it presented a certain manner of, I'd say, mismanagement because of this process. And this mismanagement, I think, was perceived by members of the public as also in other uh, decisions uh, taken by the government. one can say also the issue of, of uh, the sacking of the Minister of uh, Defense uh, just for issuing a, a warning that about the dangers uh, toward, towards uh, the security of Israel and also the issue of enlistment or uh, equal enlistment to uh, the military has also uh, granted created a lot of, I think, uh, disgruntlement and parts of the public, and has instigated some of the uh, uh, protests. I would say, as an observer of uh, Israeli news and uh, things going on there, that a lot that the, that the Israeli government has been um, uh, tumultuous in in the past year, year and a half. Uh, are the problems that you're facing now 
and, and issuing policy thoughts on. Is it because of the far-right government that's been elected in? I think we have seen for years now in Israel a sentiment by certain right-wing members of government, of, of the uh, parliament, of the Knesset in Israel, uh, that it was, I think, uh, anti-democratic. Uh, but these sentiments were, uh, for even though they exist for, uh, has existed for years, I think they weren't as influential in legislation or in uh, bills uh, that had any prospect of, of winning support in the legislature. But I think what happened uh, in this current government uh, that has been in power now for a few months is that it has been a government of only right-wing uh, parties. And the, uh, the extreme right-wing has gained a lot of power and is now pushing forward a legislative agenda that is more extreme, even though it, it does resonate with less extreme sentiments of uh, anti-democratic legislation that we've seen in the past years. Now, is it true that something that is on the agenda of the right-wing government is to abolish the Supreme Court of Israel, or is it to remake that court? Well, I don't think there's any kind of uh, I don't know, agenda to abolish the court, but there is an agenda to reframe its powers and the way that it is composed, to really weaken the court's ability to conduct judicial review, to make the government uh, gain a lot more control over the court. Uh, and I think that's really what is uh, worrying protesters against this uh, judicial overhaul. Would you take a moment and tell us how does the Supreme Court in Israel work? Is it similar to what we see in this country with our United States Supreme Court? Well, it, it is uh, both similar but also different uh, in, in several ways. It's, it's the court of last resort in Israel uh, from in, you know, in criminal proceedings, civil proceedings, uh, administrative proceedings, uh, and it's the head of the judicial pyramid in Israel. But it's also a court of first resort. It's uh, a court that sits also as a, uh, what is called High Court of Justice, and here's appeals directly from the inhabitants of Israel. And in that manner, it's, it's quite different in the way that it works. Whereas the Supreme Court of the United States uh, federal system hears or maybe publishes a few dozens of decisions a year, the Supreme Court in Israel is publishing thousands of decisions each year. And so it has a lot of uh, uh, more work in, in terms of really the day-to-day -day operations of, uh, of the judiciary and, and the day-to-day uh, interests of the public, not only in very public and, uh, and important issues, but also in, in sometimes less, less important issues. And are those decisions that the court makes, are they binding within the state of Israel? Yes, Israel has a, a, a unitary system and, and it has only one single system, a judicial system, and all uh, there's a single district, uh, Supreme Court, six district courts uh, below it and a few uh, 
dozen uh, magistrate courts, and all of these uh, the Supreme Court decisions are binding on all courts uh, below it. What actions do, does the IDI have planned in the next, uh, let's say, two to three to four months to help shape the policy of this potential action? Well, first of all, what we are trying to do is to educate decision makers and really the public in Israel as to the issues at hand, uh, whether it is on uh, the comparative aspects of how uh, Supreme Courts around the world conduct judicial review and whether and uh, selection of judges in other uh, jurisdictions, and really about uh, the workings of the Supreme Court in Israel and its importance uh, in Israel's system of government. And what we're also trying to do is to try to convince the decision makers and the public that the issues that they need to promote are not the issues that are now on the table. What we do need in Israel is not to weaken the Supreme Court, but to strengthen the protection of human rights in Israel, to strengthen the democratic and Jewish character of Israel by basic laws that will be entrenched and maintain its, uh, its democratic and Jewish character. We know that the state of Israel receives an overwhelming amount of uh, financial support uh, from the United States. And so can, can you comment on how the United States views these potential changes? And, and I guess as a follow-up to that, how is the U.S. dealing with the new government that's been installed? Well, we have seen a polite, in terms of diplomacy, involved, but still warnings against these, uh, the judicial overhaul. And I think particularly the U.S. views on the process that was being led in the legislature, in the Israeli legislature, the very quick and one-sided process the, of really of a constitutional nature was uh, viewed negatively, I think, by the U.S. administration. And I think that view by the U.S. administration uh, was an added influence in the pause of this uh, process and the transfer to a more consensus-building process uh, led by the President of Israel. And, of course, that's not to say that it was the most important issue. I think that the protests in, the, in, in Israel, and particularly protests by uh, reservists, uh, were the, the critical issue that, that uh, created this more uh, uh, consensus-building process at the president's house. The issues with the court, is this something that's going to happen next week, next year? 10 years from now? What's the timeline of this particular objection? Well, the judicial overhaul was really began at the early January of 2023 of this year. And, and it was paused only a few weeks ago by Prime Minister Netanyahu. And since this pause, we really don't know what kind of timetable does this government have have on, on on this judicial overhaul 
How long will this pause take? I mean, the, originally it was supposed to be only until the end of the term of this Knesset, meaning an, uh, ending this summer. And then really there's one of the bills that's on the table uh, reforming the way that uh, judges are uh, selected in Israel is only hours awake from completion. The, the Israeli legislature can finish it in just one, one evening. And so we really are in uncharted waters and we don't know really how quick or slow these uh, changes could take place uh, or even if they will take place because the, the protests in Israel are seen to be very energetic and, uh, and turning into, into larger and larger protests uh, as, the, as the judicial overhaul progresses. And so any type of attempt right now to revert to the extreme uh, version of the digital overhaul may, may garner uh, very widespread protests that would, uh, would perhaps again suspend the judicial overhaul. Guy, I want to thank you for taking time and, and speaking with us, uh, with us today. I also want to uh, invite our podcast audience to learn more about who you are and about the work of the Israeli Democracy Institute, known as the IDI. I will share the website uh, is en.idi.org.il. And Guy, take a second and tell us about the, the wealth of articles that you have written that are posted on that website. Thank you, Jeff. Well, I've written quite a lot about the judicial uh, selection processes in Israel, uh, both in terms of how judges are selected, uh, how to make a more uh, diverse judiciary through the selection process. I've written about the uh, structure of the prosecution in Israel and how to make it a more democratic and fair prosecution and a lot of other articles and uh, policy papers uh, on these I'll issues. remind our audience again that the website is en.idi.org.il. He is Dr. Guy Laurie, Research Fellow of the Democratic Values of Institutions Program of the Israeli Democracy Institute, known as the IDI. And Guy, I, I, I want to thank you for, for an enlightening 25 minutes of, of conversation about uh, what's happening with the court system within Israel. I want to thank you, Jeff, for, uh, for inviting me and for this great talk we had. Thank you for listening to Jewish Time, brought to you by the Atlanta Jewish Times, keeping Jewish Atlanta connected. Go to atlantajewishtimes.com to find insightful articles and subscription information. Send in that question you've always wanted answered to our editor and managing publisher, Kayleen Ladinsky, and she'll answer it on an upcoming episode of Ask Kayleen.